Well, good evening. Good evening. This evening, we continue in our series of studies. We're in First Chronicles in chapter 10. First Chronicles chapter 10. You can turn there with me. We have completed what is the more challenging part of this book to teach and to study, and now we find ourselves in chapters 10 through 29, studying and discussing the reign of David, the reign of David. So you can turn there with me, uh, First Chronicles chapter 10. Now, we have just discussed or looked at the genealogy of Saul, the first king of Israel, and, and now what the chronicler does, what Ezra does, is he begins to talk to us and share with us how the end of Saul's kingdom brought about the beginning of David's kingdom. And so we are first going to look in chapter 10 at Saul's death, and then in the first portion of chapter 11, we're going to look at David's anointing as king over all Israel. But before we do that, let's, op- let's open in a word of prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask now in the name of Jesus that you would help us to be the kind of people that you've called us to be. As we celebrate this Christmas season, as we look to you to provide for all of our needs and bless us that we might bless others, we ask now in the name of Jesus that you'd comfort us and give us peace in this crazy world. Restore the peace that's been taken from us from this world and, Lord, the peace that we have in you. Give us an understanding of your word tonight that we might carry it with us wherever we go and share it with with all those that we encounter. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, so now what we're going to do is we're going to look at verses 1 through 6, and we're going to look at the account that Ezra leaves with us, which is similar to the account in 1 Samuel chapter 31. We're going to look at how Saul ultimately met his end. Let's read verses 1 through 6. Now the Philistines fought against Israel... The Israelites fled before them, and many fell slain on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines pressed hard after Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malchishua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him. And Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised fellows will come and abuse me. But his armor-bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. And when the armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died. So Saul and his three sons died, and all his house died together. Sort of a very wicked, awful way for the first king of Israel to end his reign. Just an awful, tragic end. Now, we know a lot about Saul because we have the books of First and Second Samuel, but We do know this. We do know that God was faithful to Saul, but that Saul was not faithful to God. The Philistines defeated Saul and the army of the Israelites, and they did so on Mount Gilboa. And again, I refer you to 1 Samuel chapter 31 for more information. But Saul's forces fled before the Philistines after they had inflicted many casualties. It was clear that the battle was over. Saul had been defeated. His sons were killed, who were generals and leaders of the army. And Saul was critically wounded. He knew that he wouldn't survive the day. 
And so he took his own life because his armor bearer was unwilling to do it for him. Now, you might look at this and think, well, that is, this is, this is right out of a Greek tragedy, right? This is, this is right out of the, the, the Shakespearean tragedies you, you read about. But the, the truth is, Saul, it's understandable to some degree why Saul did what he did. I, I'm not endorsing it, but he didn't want to linger long enough to fall into the hands of the Philistines. He was their enemy. And Saul's armor bearer was afraid to kill Saul. He just couldn't do it out of respect for him as the king. But Saul's armor bearer also took his own life after he realized Saul was dead because he also realized that he would be abused by the Philistines as well. And when we say abused, what we're meaning is that they would be put to death in a most awful way. Slow, torturous death. And so his armor bearer did as well take his life. Now Samuel had predicted that Saul and his sons would die by the hands of the Philistines in 1 Samuel chapter 28. So they knew that this was coming. Saul knew that this was coming. But if you read about the life of Saul, you'll find out that he was inflicted with a, with a spirit. He was in an awful place. He had disobeyed God so often. He had done things that caused God to have to reject him as the king of Israel. God had chosen him, but he had chosen to reject God. And as a consequence of that, he met this horrible and tragic end. And so what happened next is the result of poor leadership. And when you have poor leadership over a nation or a group of people, the people suffer. It's that simple. If you don't know that by now, you never will. Poor leadership will cause those that are being led to suffer unnecessarily. And so we read in verses 7 through 14, that when all the Israelites in the valley saw that the army had fled, and that Saul and his sons had died, they abandoned their towns and fled. And the Philistines came and occupied them. The next day when the Philistines came to strip the dead, They found Saul and his sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. They stripped him and took his head and his armor and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim the news among their idols and their people. They put his armor in the temple of their gods and hung up his head in the temple of Dagon. When all the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard of everything the Philistines had done to Saul, all their valiant men went and took the bodies of Saul and his sons and brought them to Jabesh. Then they buried their bones under the great tree in Jabesh, and they fasted seven days. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. This is the end of Saul, the end of his reign, the end of his glory, the end of everything that God had given him because he disobeyed God. He was unfaithful. Faithfulness to God is rewarded with blessing and unfaithfulness receives God's judgment. It's just that simple. And as I look at what's going on in our world today, my, my confidence comes in knowing that those that honor God are honored by him. And that ultimately, no no matter how much it seems that they will prosper, the enemies of God and his word ultimately, for their unfaithfulness to God, will be judged. Amen? 
And I'm okay with that. In fact, I pray for it. May God's righteousness reign over our land and over our culture in this nation. May every person that rejects God and his word be held accountable. May they repent, but may they be held accountable for their unfaithfulness. So the Israelites see that Saul has been beaten by the Philistines. And they abandon their towns and they flee for their lives. You know, the bodies of Saul and his sons were desecrated. This was common practice among the enemies of Israel and among the people of that part of the world, and even still is today. They found the bodies of Saul and his sons as they were stripping the dead. And they stripped the dead for armor and weapons and valuables. But they found the bodies of Saul and his sons dead, fallen on Mount Gilboa. They stripped him. They cut off his head. They took his armor. 1 Samuel chapter 31 tells us this as well. They sent messengers to proclaim the news among the Philistines. They're celebrating in Philistia the fall of Saul and Israel. Then they took his armor. They put it in the temple of their gods. That is the Ashtoreths, the false gods that they worshipped. In 1 Samuel chapter 31 verse 10. Now, the Ashtoreths were actually demons. They were actually just spirits that they worshipped, but they worshipped them as gods. And the Ashtoreths were worshipped for, for, for all of the, the wrong reasons to celebrate all the decadence and debauchery that humanity is capable of. And so what they did to celebrate this great victory, they took Saul's armor, they put it in the temple of the Ashtoreths. But they took his head and they hung it in the temple of Dagon which was their chief god. You'll remember we we learned about that when we studied the life of Samson. And then they took his body and they fastened it to the wall of Bethshan. Now, it's not mentioned here, but it's mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 31. So they desecrated his body. They dismembered him, put his head in one place, his body in another, his armor in another. And, And basically what they're doing is celebrating the death of Saul and the defeat of Israel. But something happens, and this is a wonderful moment, I think you'll see this in life, that when you have a horrible circumstance take place, those who are righteous, those who are valiant men, those who will stand up, men and women of God, will stand up and do the right thing. I want to explain what happened here. The valiant men of Jabesh Gilead recovered the bodies of Saul and his sons. This must have been a daring raid. This must have been an act of bravery on their part, because they had to march into, as I've already shared with you, to get his body, they had to go to the wall of Bethshan. To get his head, they had to go into the temple of Dagon to get the bodies of the dead and, the, and their things and, and, and honor them in this way. They, they recovered those bodies and they brought them back and honored them. Why did they do this? Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 11, we learn that Saul, when he was at his Zenith, when he was at his peak as king, he, he had heroically rescued the city of Jabesh Gilead from the Ammonites. And because he had done this, they never, ever forgot that. I encourage you to read it this week. 1 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. These valiant men, they risked their lives to treat the bodies of Saul and his sons with respect. They traveled through the night to Bethshan to recover their bodies. They took their bodies to Jabesh. They burned them cremated them. They buried their bones, that is their ashes, under the great tamarisk tree at Jabesh, a place of honor. And then they fasted for seven days out of respect for Saul and his sons, again covered in 1 Samuel chapter 31. 
So the heroes of this account are those men of Jabesh Gilead, those valiant men, that though Saul wasn't a perfect king, honored him as king because he had once delivered their city. And in his death, they became valiant warriors, and they were the stuff of legend because they were willing to stand up for the one who had been anointed by God. Well, then the Lord, we're told, had put Saul to death and given the kingdom of Israel to David in verses 13 and 14. We've read it already. But we're told there that he died because he was unfaithful to the Lord and he did not keep the word of the Lord. And then we're told that he even did this. He even consulted a medium that is a spiritual guide or an occultist, a witch, if you will, for guidance instead of inquiring of the Lord. And it was because of this primarily that the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. You can read about that in 1 Samuel chapter 28, I believe, when Saul chose to, instead of seeking the Lord, because when, when Saul was seeking the Lord, he didn't like the counsel he got. He didn't like the guidance he received. He didn't like what God had to say to him through the prophets and specifically through Samuel. So what happened is Saul consulted a medium because he wanted this medium to contact Samuel when, after he had died, like a seance, if you will. And I'm going to recap it for you. It's quite an interesting account. And it disturbs a lot of people because Samuel actually, or his spirit actually comes back from the dead and declares a prophecy and says, Saul, this is it. You're going to get it. In fact, I might just read a little. In 1 Samuel chapter 28, it's commonly referred to as Saul and the witch at Endor. I've set it up for you, but he said to this woman in verse 11, bring up Samuel, he said. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. And the king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said, I see a spirit coming up out of the ground. And what does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Now, she's seeing this in the spirit realm. Apparently, this woman had some ability, demonically inspired ability, to contact the dead. She said, There was an old man wearing a robe. And Saul, then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. And Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Peculiar, right? I am in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me and God has turned away from me. He no longer answers me either by prophets or by dreams. So I have called on you to tell me what to do. And Samuel said, why do you consult me now that the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will hand both Israel and you to the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. And then we learn that immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he had eaten nothing all that day and night. 
So it goes on to talk about it, but the, the gist of it is simple. God allowed, <laughs> hard to understand this, but God allowed Samuel to speak to him from the grave through this medium. And the message was the same that Samuel had told him while he was alive. You're going to be judged. And then we read it here in our text this evening, and we're told Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He had already been rejected by the Lord by the time he tried to contact Samuel. But he thought, let me try again. Even though every time Samuel brought the word of the Lord, Saul didn't want to hear it. Saul rejected it. Saul didn't care. Kill all the Amalekites, he didn't listen. Don't do the sacrifice, he did the sacrifice. Don't keep these things for yourself, he kept them for himself. Listen to the Lord, he didn't listen to the Lord. And now he's in desperation because he knows he's finished. And what does he do? What does he do? He consults with a medium, something that the scriptures were very clear on was forbidden in Israel. And the fact that God allowed Samuel to speak to him through this medium doesn't condone or approve of going to uh, spiritists or to necromancers or mediums or whoever, it, it, you know, or, or participating in a seance or trying to contact the dead. It, it doesn't condone that. It doesn't justify it. It's just that God spoke to him through this, but it doesn't mean that what he did was right. And in fact, we're told here in our text that he even consulted a medium for guidance. This was considered about the worst thing someone could do. But worse than that, notice it says, he didn't inquire of the Lord. So I want to think about this a little bit. Okay, Saul died for being unfaithful and disobedient to God and consulted a medium, didn't inquire of the Lord. Okay, but let's think about this in our own lives. Let's, let's apply this to our hearts before we move on. If we're not willing to inquire of the Lord, if we're not willing to seek him in his word and listen to what his word says, if we're not looking for the advice that the Lord will give us and bring to us and, and direct us with, if we're not looking for that wisdom that God brings by the power of his spirit and we reject it, sooner or later, we're going to find ourselves not knowing what to do, where to go. Even as Christians, you will find yourself, if you continue to reject the wisdom of God, you will find yourself one day not knowing what to do. We're told in the scriptures that our ears will hear a voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whether we turn to the right or to the left, God will lead us. But if you reject God over and over again, the heart often reproved becomes callous, the scripture says. And there are many disciples of Christ that continue to hear God's advice and counsel and guidance, and they reject it. And the day comes when, guess what? They look for the counsel of God, and it is simply not there for them. Or they can read the Word, but they don't want what the Word says. They want a quick fix. They, they want someone to fix it and make it all better. And unfortunately, it's hard to believe this might actually happen, but there are some Christians that will go around God through other means to try to discern What's best for them? And in this case, Saul went to a medium. He looked to the occult. I've heard stories of people going to occultists and tarot card readers and witches, if you will, and going that route. Sadly, sometimes people who are supposed to be serving God will do those things. I hope not, but oftentimes I, I wonder. Because people are so desperate to hear what they want to hear that they're willing to hear it from anyone that will tell them. I was driving up uh, yesterday. I was driving up Bloomfield Avenue. I had to pick something up, and I was on my way home. And I stopped at a red light. And as I was stopped there, I looked over, and I saw this little storefront, tiny little office. 
I, I don't know how big it could have been. It looked, looked, it looked tiny. And, and, and in there, there were all these signs that talked about crystals, and I don't even know, Reiki, all this. I don't even know what this stuff is. I would never walk in there. But all of this was about looking for spiritual guidance and spiritual healing. And I think how many people who should know better will walk into a place like that. They're paying their rent, so somebody's going in there. How many people will go into a place like that and look for guidance, thinking it's coming from God? It's not. Now, God can speak to us through all manner of people, even this, this situation that happened with, with Saul. But please know that God wants to speak to you through his word. He wants to guide you, direct you with his eye, as the scripture says, not like the donkey with the bit and the bridle. He doesn't want to have to drag you along. He wants to be able to give you the wisdom that comes through his word, and you adopt that, take that in your heart, and follow it. And live according to his word. But I tell you, if you reject the word of God, you will follow something else. You will look for direction and guidance elsewhere. You'll find it in the world, but it will destroy you. There's a way that seems right into a man, but the end thereof is death, the scripture tells us. I really want to encourage you. If you see these places, just pray against them. I found myself there, stopped at that red light, looking at this place, just praying that it would, that it would not prosper. And praying that people wouldn't walk into this place. Because who knows what's on the other side of that door, what, what spiritual evil lurks on the other side of that door to someone who is a medium, someone who's opened themselves up to all those types of things. It's hard to think about. It's, it's just so scary to me, to be honest with you. But that's what Saul did. And he died for his unfaithfulness to God. So that's it for Saul. As we know from what Samuel told him, that next day, him and his sons, they they were in the place of the dead. Never to rule again, but God had told Saul that someone was going to replace him. That God had raised up a man after his own heart. That God had put his hands on a young man named David, who became the hero of Israel, slaying Goliath the giant and other wonderful things he had done through his career. But of course, Saul was jealous of him hunted him, tried to kill him, did all manner of evil against him, and still David survived through those trials. What happened is David became king over all Israel. Let's read the account in verses 1 through 3. Ezra encapsulates this when he says, All Israel came together to David at Hebron and said, We are your own flesh and blood, And in the past, even while Saul was king, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord your God said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will become their ruler. When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, he made a compact with them, that is an agreement, at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over all Israel, as the Lord had promised through Samuel. Exactly what Samuel said would happen, happened. I want to explain because Ezra, the chronicler, has skipped over a few years, about seven and a half. But they're covered for us in 2 Samuel chapter 5 and in 2 Samuel chapter 2 through 4. You see, all the men of Judah had already anointed David as their king over the house of Judah in Hebron shortly after Saul 
had died. The southern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin, the southern tribes, David was from the tribe of Judah, they looked to David. It's interesting, Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, was the tribe that Saul came from, and yet these two tribes, these two areas, came together and said, David, be our king. Rule over us. They looked to David to protect them from the Philistines and to lead them. And so for those seven and a half years, he did. But not all of Israel, just the southern kingdom of Judah. The kingdoms of Judah and Israel had been at war since the death of Saul and his sons. So for that seven, seven and a half years, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel ruled over, I think it was by Ishboeth and, and others of the family of Saul, were, were trying to keep that kingdom going despite the fact that they had been invaded by the Philistines. But David was leading the kingdom of Judah in the south. And slowly but surely, David became greater and increased in strength, and the northern kingdom weakened and was defeated by the Philistines. So all the tribes of Israel came to David that he might deliver them from the Philistines. Now, what they did when they approached him is they acknowledged that David and the tribe of Judah were their fellow countrymen. The first thing they acknowledged, we're flesh and blood. You see, they're desperate at this point. At a certain point, even Ishboeth had been murdered, and, and, and now they, they didn't have anyone to lead them, and they, they knew that God had made a promise to David. Now, why did it take him seven and a half years to figure that out? So often we know the truth, but we're unwilling to be subject to it. They knew what God wanted. They knew what God promised. They knew that David was the king. But because of political reasons and power-hungry individuals and ruling families, they just didn't do what they were supposed to do. They, they could have went to David immediately and been spared, but they didn't. But now they acknowledge David and the tribe of Judah as their fellow countrymen. They acknowledge David as the former champion of Israel under Saul. For David, as the women had sung, Saul had slain his thousands, David had slain his tens of thousands. David was a hero. And he was ruling this kingdom in the south and the other nations, the other tribes. They, they realized in the northern kingdom, we need David. We need David to make Israel great again. We need David to save us from all of this stuff that's going on. See, so many times we look to our leaders, but God has to be our leader. God has to anoint the man or the woman. God has to anoint the person to save us. We can't look to people to save us. But God will. If we cry out to him, he will deliver us through good and godly leaders. But we have to pray, and we have to cry out to God, and we have to look for God to do that work by his might and look for God to deliver us. Don't put your hope in a man or a political party. Put your hope in God. They also acknowledged that David, as the Lord's chosen, was the anointed king of all Israel. They recognized God had placed his hands on this man since he was a young boy. He slew the giant. He had great victories over the Philistines. I wonder where that northern kingdom was when David was running for his life. Hiding in the wilderness. Oh, they didn't want to get involved. Or even over the last seven and a half years up, up to this point when, when David was ruling in the south, but they seemed to want to do it on their own. You know, sometimes people just don't get it. They don't understand. God will lead us through his anointed leaders. They rejected God, they rejected his leader, and they suffered for it. And after some period of time, they finally realized, you know something, let's go to David and Hebron and fix this thing. To their credit, to their credit. 
And David was, as we read here in verse 3, able to reunite all the tribes of Israel together as one kingdom. He brought the people together. It says he made a compact, an agreement with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over all Israel, as the Lord had promised through Samuel. For those seven and a half years, David knew that one day he would be king over all Israel, but he was only king over two tribes. And before that, he was running for his life in the wilderness until Saul was killed. He was a prince of Israel until Saul tried to kill him. Saul had really lost his mind. He'd given himself over to wickedness and was possessed with an evil spirit. And even when David was young, they called David, who was a musician, in to play music that it would soothe Saul for this evil spirit that he had. And there were times where Saul had these moments where he lost it and he tried, he threw spears at David. He tried to kill David. And still David was faithful. David had opportunities to kill Saul in caves when he was wandering through the wilderness. And he didn't do it. He said to his men, don't lift up your hand against the Lord's anointed. He had respect for Saul. And in the end, he triumphed. Because as a good and godly man, he never compromised in that way. And so, David reunited all the tribes of Israel as one kingdom. The men of Israel came, they anointed David king over all Israel. By the way, he was 30 years old when he became king over Judah. He was 30 years old when he became king over Judah. We we learned that in 2 Samuel 5. And he reigned as, as king for a total of 40 years. Seven and a half years over Judah at Hebron. And 33 years over all Israel and Judah at Jerusalem. And we'll see in future studies that he actually went and conquered the city of Jerusalem and made it his capital. And all of this confirmed the word of the Lord through Samuel the prophet. So we have a transition here. From a man who was unfaithful to God to a man after God's own heart. The people had to go through a time of great suffering. But in the end, God was faithful to them. You know, there's some people that are sort of writing uh, the United States off and suggesting that it's over. The great American experiment is over. I would encourage you otherwise. If we cry out to God, if his people who are called by his name will cry out and will humble themselves and cry out to God, they'll repent of their wickedness, ask God to save their land, he will save their land. I believe that promise was to Israel Certainly, he fulfilled that promise in the time of David. And I believe that God can continue to fulfill that promise to all of his people who cry out to him for deliverance. So as we go into this new year, I want to encourage you. And rather than running around like Chicken Little, saying that the sky is falling and the world is coming to an end and the apocalypse is right around the corner, can I encourage you not to give up hope? Don't put your hope in man or political parties or even the Constitution. Put your hope in God. Things simply could not have gotten worse when Saul died. I mean, it was pretty bad. We've already looked at it. I don't know how much worse it could have possibly gotten. The land was invaded. The king was dead. There was a weak leader, at least over most of the kingdom, not in the south, but there was a weak leader over most of the kingdom. And I'm sure during those seven and a half years, people lost hope, which ultimately called, caused them to cry out to God and look for God's will in their lives. Could it be that part of what God is allowing us to go through as a nation right now 
Is him bringing us to our knees so that we will cry out to him to deliver us from ourselves? I think that that is true. I really do. And tonight's study encourages me to continue to cry out to God for deliverance. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for it encourages us to do what you've already told us to do, to cry out to you, to look to you, to deliver us. Lord God, please continue to bless our nation, to have your hand upon our churches, to protect this land from ourselves and our enemies. And may the people of this nation cry out to you as they begin to see that it's just a disaster to look to anyone other than you to rule and reign over us. May we elect good and godly men and women who honor you and trust in you and obey your word and are faithful to you. May you restore our land. May you abundantly bless us, not because we deserve it, but because you're a good and gracious God, abounding in love, filled with compassion and long-suffering. Lord, we ask you you to do this work for us, but for the next generation and the next generation, and even the world that's reached through the freedom that we experience in this nation. We pray that you'd bless our land. May we repent on a grand scale, and may you bring revival. Lord, may you bring a great awakening in our nation, which is desperately needed. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.